0: Welcome to the Neighbourhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighbourhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast.
1: Good to have all of you here this morning and... And again, a warm welcome to the Martinsville group and to our guests. Well, this is day seven in ten days of prayer and fasting at the neighborhood church. And I want to thank so, so many of you who have dived in and taken this seriously and have taken time to fast. Taking time to seek God's face and taking time to be involved in both personal and many of you in some corporate prayer times. I, uh, I believe God wants to speak significantly to us today. And we will start at Psalm 85 and the postscript to uh, Psalm 85. Remembering that these things written at the top of the psalm are actually a part of inspired scripture. Sometimes we tend to start at verse 1 and we miss something that God wants to say to us. For the choir director, a psalm of the sons of Korah. For the choir director, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How many of you like a good story? And the rest of you, ah, <laughs> uh, I've got a great story for you today. But we're going to pray first. Oh, just come, Holy Spirit, just come and uh, make these things we're looking at today really, really real to us. Really, really real. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So this psalm is written by the sons of Korah. So if you've heard that, I hope you're already asking what to me is a logical question. Who is Korah? At least that's what I'd be doing. Korah is probably the biggest rebel in all the Bible story. Probably the biggest rebel in all the Bible story. He's the great grandchild of Levi. Uh, Levi is the third son of 12, so 11 brothers, third son of 12 uh, in Jacob's family. Born in Egypt, first cousins, first cousin to Aaron and to Moses. Uh and he died in 1426 BC. So this is a story from a long time ago. And uh, his cousin was called by God to be the leader of the nation of Israel, cousin Moses. And Korah didn't like that. Korah got jealous and Korah got bitter. He said, I'm from the same lineage and in my judgment, I think I'm smarter than you, Moses. And I even think I'm more spiritual than you. And he let bitterness begin to rule and reign in his heart and he arranged a rebellion against Moses. We read about it in Numbers chapter 16 verses 1 to 3. Let's uh, read it together. Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Pallas, sons of Reuben, took action. Some people think, we need to take some action around here. And they rose up before Moses, together with some of the sons of Israel. He found 250 other leaders of the congregation chosen in the assembly, man of renown, and uh, took these 250 people, and assembled them against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you've, you, you've gone too far. You've gone far enough here. For all of us are holy. Every one of us is spiritual. Who, who, who made you the big cheese around here? And the Lord's in our midst. We'll just follow Jesus. That's 20th, first century language. So why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of God? So Moses, Cousin Moses, is being attacked by Cousin Korah. And we read uh, in Jewish history uh, how the Hebrew people look at this. In their Talmud, which is kind of the collection and commentary on Hebrew history, uh, they refer to Korah in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. And in the bracket after that phrase, the foolish tears it down with her own hands, uh, the Talmud has this, like Korah's wife. Like Korah's wife. (laughs) Almost everybody who becomes rebellious has somebody else speaking into their ears <laughs> come on Cora, what's going on with that Moses guy he's your cousin. I listened to you, talk at the table. you make way more sense than him. why don't you take some leadership around here Cora? I, I, you're smarter than him and you're better looking too. You should be the guy who's leading around here uh We read one of the stories in scripture, uh, or in, uh, sorry, uh, the uh, Mishdah of uh, Hebrew history, uh, commenting on the Torah. And uh, it's talking about the mazuka. So we'll put a picture up of a mazuka so you know what I'm talking about. Every time Don and I have gone to Israel, we have brought back mazukas and mezuzahs, sorry, mezuzahs. We brought back mezuzahs, and mezuzahs uh, are filled with the scripture. You put a scripture in there, the priest writes the scripture out, and then you're supposed to put these on your doorposts. And I remember sitting at a, uh, a resort in Israel the last time we were there on kind of the break day in the middle to get refreshed, and I'm sitting there and and from the resort, I can see a house, and I see a young lady, uh, probably late 20s, and she goes into her house, and she touches the mezuzah before she, en- mezuzah before she enters. It's a sacred thing to the Hebrew people. But uh, Korah didn't like mezuzahs. And he came to Moses and said, what kind of a silly thing is this you're making us do? This is ridiculous, Moses. Our our homes, our abodes, our tents, they are filled with scripture scrolls. We've got scripture all over the inside. And now you're making us put up these crazy mezuzahs on the doorposts. Think straight here. Get your head on right, Moses. He was rebelling against Moses all the time. And we just read the story recorded in Numbers 16, 1-3. So Moses... uh, Responds, and this is what he says Tomorrow, tomorrow God will come. Tomorrow, God will show which one of us is called to lead the nation of Israel. I've had enough of you guys. Tomorrow, God's going to show which one of us is supposed to be leading. So, tomorrow comes, usually does. And uh, when it came, the, uh, the whole tribe, the whole nation is, is gathered around because you know how stories like that spread around pretty quick. Did you hear what Moses did? You heard what he said to Korah? He said, God's going to show who the leader supposed to be. So they're all there. And when they all arrive, Moses says this to uh, Aaron, step back, get as far away as you can from Korah's house. And then he said to the rest of the nation of Israel, you guys step back as far as you can. Get get away. No, further back. Back. I mean further, please. Good long distance here. Further, further, further. And they're all far away from uh Korah's house and except his 250 rebels of course stayed real close to him and then Moses said to the whole nation of Israel if these guys die a natural death then I'm not a godly man and I'm not your leader but if God does something now that he's never done before I'm your leader and he stopped talking and the earth opened up a huge hole and (laughs) down they went, never to be seen again. There would probably be some room here to talk about making sure our attitude towards leaders is right. But I'll move on. And point out from Numbers chapter 26 and verse 11 that uh, the sons of Korah did not die. You see, they recognized that dad's heart had become wrong, dad's heart had become ugly, his heart was not where it should be. There are some Christians, and I just saw this on Facebook this morning, on one of your posts, There are some Christians whose mouths are filled with scripture. And they sound really, 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 really spiritual. Some people's mouths are filled with scripture, but their hearts are filled with hate. And these sons recognized dad wasn't where he should be. And they stepped away from his house and they lived. So we're in Psalm 85 this morning. Psalm 85 is 900 years after this event we just read in uh, in Numbers. And what are the sons of Korah doing now? We read it in the postscript. They're writing music, they're part of the worship ministry of Israel, they're preparing things for the worship leader, the choir director to sing in the gatherings of the saints. What kind of people do you think Korah's descendants would have been? I'm pretty confident they were a pretty pious family, and I use pious in the purest best sense of pious. They were devout people. They were spiritual people. They were reverent people. Because I think this happened right through the family line. (laughs) They would get a little rebellious. They would get a little irreverent. And mom would say, remember what happened to grandpa. Grandpa. Remember what happened to great-great-great-great-great-grandpa. Hey, 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 take it easy here. Remember what happened to great 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 grandpa This wasn't a family that would have been taking God and his ways and his things lightly. want to talk briefly, and I hope I can do briefly better than I did last night, about, uh, about piety and uh, what a pious person would look like. And I think we can lift these truths, I know we can, out of Psalm 85. So, number one, the first thing, I would point out uh, about pious people, is they're devoted to God and they know they are forgiven, but at the same time, they recognize they need a continued refreshing from God. They know they're forgiven. They don't live in condemnation. They know they're forgiven but they live with this sense of a continued need for refreshing from God. Psalm 8, verses 1 to 4. I, I love these verses, and we'll read them here uh, real quickly. Sorry, Psalm 85, verses 1 to 4. O oh Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the captivity of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sins. Selah, stop and think about that. You withdrew all your fury. You turned away from your burning anger. Restore us, O God of our salvation, and cause your indignation towards us to cease. Devout people, pious people, have an understanding that God has forgiven them. God has covered all their sin. God has turned His anger away from them. They know that. They are not easily shaken, because this is the assurance of their heart. And I want you to know this morning, I want you to know this clearly this morning, if you have bowed your knee before the Lord Jesus Christ and you have asked him to be the Lord of your life you are beyond a shadow of a doubt a forgiven person your sins have been covered and God has turned every bit every bit every bit of his anger away from you you need to live in that confidence and live in the surety of that pious people have that understanding But they also understand that uh, they still need a continued refreshing from God. Psalm 85 and verse number 1 is key to understanding this chapter. Lord, you showed your favor to your land. You restored the captivity of Jacob. So this psalm, it's estimated it was written in 520 B.C., 520 B.C., If you know the history of the nation of Israel, uh, that's about 10, 15 years after the end of uh, the Babylonian captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar had come in, he'd defeated the Jewish nation, and he'd taken the Hebrew people, and he said, you're not sticking around Israel anymore, all of you are coming to Babylon. They spent 70 years in exile in the nation of Babylon, away from their home. And what do you think they were doing that whole 70 years in exile? 70 years away from home. I know what the prayer meetings were like. Oh, God, help us get back home. Help us get back home. Oh, God, we don't want to be here. We want to be home. And here they're rejoicing that after 70 years, the captivity ends and they are back home. Here's the problem. They get home, and home isn't quite what they expected it to be. Uh, I hope I'm remembering correctly here. Next slide. Nehemiah 1, yes. Verses, last half of verse 2 and verse 3, Nehemiah asked concerning the Jews who escaped and had survived the captivity about Jerusalem. How are things going in Jerusalem for all those people are finally back home? And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So they spent 70 years, oh God, get me home, get us home. We want to be home. And they get home, and home isn't what they dreamt of it being. The gates are torn apart. The walls have been broken down. And they recognize they have a problem. And so what is the prayer that goes on here? Psalm 85 and verse number 6. Oh, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice? God, won't you help us get the walls built again? See, friends, when you don't have walls, you're unprotected. You're not secure. Anybody can come in and get you. We need the walls built again, Lord. We need you to protect us. We need revival. I like contemporary English version. won't you give us fresh life and let your people be glad because of you? And I read this, friends, about uh, 10 days ago, and I've been so captivated by Psalm 85, and Pastor Gordon made the mention of of Mueller and how he's been long times in Scripture. I've been in Psalm 85 for 10 days now, and when I read it in contemporary English version, my heart leapt within me, oh God, won't you bring us fresh life again. Oh God, won't you come and visit the individuals of the neighborhood church? Won't you come and visit neighborhood church collectively? Won't you come oh God and give us fresh life? And then I read it out of the Passion Translation. Revive us again oh God. I know you will. Give us a fresh start. Give us a fresh start. And all your people will taste your joy and your gladness. And so, friends, I felt the... Direction of the Holy Spirit to call our church to an extended time of prayer and fasting. This is day seven, as we already mentioned. Why do I do that? Because I know the way to get a fresh start <laughs> is to get the walls built and to get us free from all those things that have crept in because we haven't been looking after the walls and the gates enough. Isaiah 58 and verse number 6, is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? And so we've been gathering and we're crying out to God, oh God, give us fresh life. Oh, God, give us a fresh start. There are people in this house today who desperately need a reset of the button, who desperately need a fresh start. Oh, God, revive us. Give us fresh life, oh, God. Give us a fresh start, oh, God. So I think... uh, I thank all of you who participated and been a part of prayer and fasting this week. I bless you for your sacrifice. Pastor Don and I have been taking this time seriously. We long, we long for a fresh start, for us, for the work of God. Thank you. And so this week over the next three days, just a reminder that we'll be meeting in that corner of the sanctuary at 9.45 a.m. to pray, Monday through Friday. And the remaining days of the fast will be on Zoom at 8.45 p.m. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Friends, we need to be crying out to God. We understand we're forgiven. There's no condemnation in the house. No condemnation in the house whatsoever. But we know at the same time, God has more for us. God give us a fresh start. So the second thing Pious people recognize. The second People, thing they know is that, or exhibit, is there's a passionate cry from their hearts for a fresh start. And the third thing that characterizes the pious is they longingly look for God's work, God's good work. In the future, devoted people are always looking for God to come and do something good, something great, great in our hearts, great in our homes, great in our marriages, great in our relationships, great in our church, great in our community. The heart of, of pious people. So what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, first of all, uh, when you're looking for a good future, number one, you make a commitment to listen to God. Psalm 85, verse 8, I will listen to you, O God. I will listen to you, O God. This sermon was shorter until prayer meeting yesterday morning, when uh, one of the people who came to prayer, he said, I've been feeling for the last week, I was supposed to read Psalm 81, but I've been afraid to read it. Never be afraid to read the scripture when you're gathered with the saints, friends. But I've been afraid to read it. She said, Can I read Psalm 81, verses 8 to 4? Our beginning at. So she read the whole Psalm. I want to read to you, verses 8 to 14. I want you to stand while I read it. say, Why are you making us stand? There's a tradition, a history of good mannered people when somebody important walks into the room that you stand. The queen is to walk in today. Those of you with manners would stand when she enters. When the bride of the day enters the sanctuary, we stand. It's a position of honor. Early in their marriage, our son Evan and his wife Danielle did a missions trip in South America and Evan came in. They were living with us at that point and they said, when they got back, first thing he said to me, Dad, every time I read the Scripture, I didn't ask them. Every time there's Scripture in their churches, they stand. You don't have to ask. They honor the Word of God. I want us to hear this, what God would say to us here. We're standing as an act of honor. We're standing as an act of honor. Psalm 81, hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you would listen to me. If you would listen. Let there be no strange God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I am the Lord among your God among, am your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen. But my people did not listen to my voice. And Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. Oh, that my people would listen to me. That Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Friends, there's a lot of adversarial work in our lives that the only reason it's happening is because we have stopped listening to God. When you get committed to pursuing good for the future, you start listening to Him. I will listen to you Oh God, you may be seated. The second thing that, that happens when pious people pursue the good of the future is they don't go back to their foolishness. We recognize the stuff back there. It's only hurt us. It's only caused us pain. Our hearts are filled with regret. It is ugly to us. It's abhorrent to us. And we never want to return. We recognize the foolishness of it. I've been reading a book called The Jesus Fast this week. Here's a little ex- ex- excerpt from 42, page 42 and 43. Our days are spent, talking about our present culture, overstimulated to the point of numbness. Irony of ironies, a gluttonous, indulgent, entertainment-addicted, twittered age filled with illicit desire has produced the most bored and boring people. This is why fasting matters now more than ever. When our days are marked by excess, we lack the pure passion of hunger. we don't want to go back there we don't want to live there we don't want to stay there we need to have a fresh start a hunger a longing a thirsting for God and his ways thirdly a pious person longs for God to live with us in all of his glory we want more than we're experiencing now and I'm going to ask Pastor Joel to just come and, and share uh, an experience he had in the last week and a half or so maybe even the last week because I think it speaks to what God wants to do in our hearts our lives in our church and worship man maybe sneak around to the back and get ready to lead and minister when pastor joel is done
0: a little over a week ago i was uh sitting in bed and i was just praying trying to get my mind uh, peaceful and my heart peaceful for a good night's sleep and uh this is a, the, that, that part of the night's very normal, but uh, if you're new with us today or you haven't heard much about um, God and what he does, I want you to know that this is something that uh, can happen to people that are following Jesus, and uh, even those who are not following Jesus as we see in scripture, sometimes he does stuff like this. So I was uh, sitting praying there and all of a sudden I, I saw something. And what I saw kind of in my mind, kind of like a dream, but I was awake. Um, Sometimes scripture calls it a vision. And I saw a eagle soaring in the sky. And this eagle took flight. And uh, just like you can picture an eagle, big feathers, big wingspan. And then all of a sudden, this eagle, as it was flying, uh, turned gold, like a metallic, shiny uh, gold and again this isn't uh, at this point when I'm seeing this I'm thinking this this is strange this is atypical for me this hasn't happened before and and I continue to keep praying and I continue to keep seeing things and here this eagle goes from gold and then it it kind of ignites it combusts and now it's soaring um, on fire gold and glorious and big and and hot and uh, I look down from kind of this Uh, Vision of of this eagle now to the the, the earth, to the ground. And the ground is frozen and uh, no leaves on the trees and much like it looks right now, um, very dormant like the earth is sleeping, it's frozen over. And as this eagle takes, it becomes um, engulfed in flames, it begins to thaw the surface of the earth and here the snow starts to melt, it starts to recede, and below it the, the grass is revealed, the fields are revealed, the leaves bud, the, the flowers bud, and uh, below the world starts to wake up, and there's this fresh start beginning to be, to be seen, and then all of these animals come out, and that, that early morning chirping of the birds that wake you up in the summer, there's just this eruption of life, and then uh, all of a sudden this beautiful picture the eagle soaring ground is thawing and then all of these little pieces of rubble or rock dust and and just kind of the crumb rock crumbles boulders rocks start to kind of pull together like this out of out of the trees out of the the woodwork of this this landscape And it starts pulling together. And again, I'm sitting in my bed just praying. And I see all of this come together. And and I'm wondering what it's going to build. And then all of a sudden, it starts to build four posts. And these posts build up and up and up. And things keep pulling all of this garbage, pulling into something. And then there's a plane on it. And what happens is that this great big chair, this throne is built. And I mean like a really big throne. A throne that is so big that when eventually this throne becomes fully built, I look out and I can see the curvature of the earth and the chairs like this. And so I brought this to our prayer gathering uh, one morning because I know I hold my experience in one hand, but I want to hold a Christian community and the Word of God and my tradition in the other to make sure that uh, we can... In community can come up with an interpretation for this as we discern um, from the Holy Spirit but uh, from that time we've we've seen a couple of things and uh, I think one thing that came out in my life group yesterday um, the significance of what built this big throne I don't know where you're at today if it's a fresh start kind of morning or if it's a I can't go on kind of mourning, but I want you to know, and I'm telling myself, that whatever you think you look like, however insignificant, you can take part in being a light and hope in this world and being the throne of which God sits on to affect the world. So that's something there. And then the other takeaway we've discerned in community together is uh, the sovereignty of God, meaning... How he reigns over all, and that he is in control. There's nothing that thwarts, nothing that busts up against his control in what is happening. So uh, that's something very new that's happened to me. Pastor John, what would you like to share?
1: Oh, beautiful. In a moment, we're going to just take some time to respond to this word in worship. This is not something to run from. My heart longs for a fresh start for the people of God. My heart longs for a fresh start for the neighborhood church. heart longs for us to celebrate baptisms every single time we get together because God's at work. My heart longs for a minimum of 100 people to be gathering together in Martinsville at our venue there by the end of 2021 every time. My heart just longs for fresh life. My heart longs for fresh life for all of you. But for it to come, we have to let Him grab the rubbish, the garbage, the the junk, the useless stuff of our lives. We need to just give it to Him. And out of it, He will build something for His glory surrender of our rubbish to Him will bring great glory to Him and His glory will fill the earth and His glory will fill our sanctuary and His glory will fill
0: our hearts. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.